0: You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Great, let's go to Genesis chapter 37. I want to read a whole uh, stack of verses to you this morning. Uh, A story that I'm sure almost all of us will know very well. And I want to speak to you this morning on the God of the uncomfortable. Uh, This is my 41st year full-time preaching. All right, I started when I was about six, <laughs> plus a few more. And, uh, but in those 41 years, uh, and probably only about 42 really of following Jesus well, I've discovered that not all of my life has been a bed of roses. And about anybody else here, but I have encountered occasionally a problem or two. Occasionally I've encountered a difficulty or three Uh, Occasionally I've counted an impossibility or four Occasionally I've counted an oh my God or five Uh, There's been a bunch of that stuff in my life And you know, if you live long enough I know that you are going to encounter some challenges in your world Some of you this morning are facing them right now in your life. There's some of you here that have only just in the last week or two had news about one of your children, had news about your health, had something happen in an important relationship in your life, or maybe the accountant has spoken to you about your business, and there's just, you look at it and go, what on earth am I going to do about that. I want to speak to you this morning on the God of the Uncomfortable. It's a message for you here. I haven't preached it anywhere else. It's just for you. It's just for you because I feel like, even though this is a quick trip, I felt like God sent me here to speak something to every one of you that's here today and for some of you that have maybe worked with impossibility quite a long while. Maybe you're here and you've always wanted a child, but you've been unable to have one. Or maybe you're here and you go, you know, I'm still looking for that person that I'm going to do my life with, and and they haven't arrived, or you haven't seen them yet, and you go, what am I, how do I keep on going in the midst of difficulty? Tonight in the heartbeat session, uh, I feel like I've got a word from God for this church, and so I'm going to speak about that. And as always, when I say something like that, I always have already said to the pastors, and, and I don't kind of go and say, is it okay to preach on this? I, I can't, They trust me enough to, for me to turn up. But I always say to them, you know, you get to override anything I say. Uh, if it's not a word from God, you've got the perfect right to stand up and say, uh, no, that's not the way it is. But let's pray right at the start. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now that you are here in this place. I thank you, Lord, for every heart that's agitated to be filled with peace. I pray for troubled minds and for those that are facing great challenge in their life that there'll be an outpouring of Holy Spirit peace right now across this building. I pray, God, that today will not be about telling us how sad you are that we are where we are, but, Lord, we'll hear your voice encouraging us that there's a hope and that there's a future and that there's a good end to where we are right now in Jesus' name. I pray for people here that have got pain in their body and have got weakness in their life. And I pray you'll heal them right now, just as we sit in your presence. Because Lord, it says in Mark 2, that the power of the Lord was present to heal. So God, I believe for the present to heal power for miracles in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. Genesis 37, verse 2 is... Well, let's just read it. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhar and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Some of you will have seen the musical, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. But his brothers hated Joseph because his father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream and he told his brothers about it. They hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered round and bowed low before mine now I've got 3 brothers and 3 sisters all right and not one of them likes me to think that I'm better than them Not one of my brothers. You know, if anybody here got a bunch of brothers, if you got a bunch of brothers, you know that brotherly kind of competition is always alive and well, and it doesn't matter how old you get. It stays there, that's for sure. His brothers, verse 8, responded, So you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon and eleven stars bowed down before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to his bro- to Joseph, "Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I'll send them to you." I'm ready. To go, Joseph replied. Well, in the intervening story, lots of you will know that Jacob's brothers see this guy coming. They're out there. He goes looking for him. Verse 18 says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. The original language says, This master of dreams. They've already recognized that there's a supernatural gift in this guy's life that lets him have these dreams and get the meaning of them. Verse 20, last verse. Come on, let's kill him and throw him to one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him and then we'll see what will become of his dreams. This is a powerful story of an incredibly gifted young man who's in a great place where he is. You've all heard the saying, there's no place like... There's no place like home. And here is this guy in a great place. He's favoured by his dad. Every need is met. He's got a pretty cushy job, really. He has to look after a few sheep. Now, I come from sheep country in the west of Queensland. And trust me, if you are looking after sheep, it's pretty much like lay down against a tree or a rock or something or other because i tell you what the sheep are going to do. And then they'll make a few pebbles and then they'll go back to doing what they did before. There's not a whole lot to do. It's not like the sheep are going to come up and ask you deep questions about life and about the future. They're just being sheep. That's just the way they are. It's just what happens. This guy's got a pretty good job. It's comfortable. It's easy. And he's favoured. And yet verse 18 to 20 tells us that all of this is about to change in Joseph's life. Some of you right now are in a great place you got a new job. You're you're newly married or, you know, you've got a beautiful new child or something great is happening in your life. A new opportunity's opened up. But this much I've learned in life is that no season lasts forever. And that's not a negative. I don't know about you, I don't like winter. Thank you, sister. Amen. like we've had the coldest winter in Perth for 22 years and I'm just like way over it. I was born for summer. When, when we all die and go to heaven or Jesus comes back, And you come to visit me, it's going to be at least 32 degrees in my part of heaven. If you don't like it, don't visit me. Because I'm telling you, that's where I'm setting the thermostat. I'm going to be walking around in shorts and a t-shirt. You know, a Robert Righteousness t-shirt, of course. But uh, I'm I'm going to have a pool out the back. And it's just going to be beautiful. There won't be any snow in my part of heaven. But I've, I've discovered this. You know, no matter how long I whinge about winter, it still comes. God has never once said, Jeff hates winter. We'll let there be winter everywhere else except his house. Don't work like that. Seasons come in our life, and this young man is in a comfortable place, an easy place, favoured place, but it's all about to change. And Genesis 45 verse 5 tells us that it wasn't an accident and neither was it his brothers. It says, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. So even though he's in a great place, comfortable, easy and favoured, God says, I'm going to push you out. God says, I'm going to start putting you into a place that is totally not easy totally not comfortable, totally where you will not have the favor of your father, but he goes to a place that's uncomfortable, that's difficult every single day of his life, and where the only favor that comes is the favor of God. Nobody really looks at him and wants to do good for him. And again, even perhaps more importantly, where he is out of his gift and out of his experience of the past. No more sheep to care for. He's now totally out into the uncharted waters of a new experience. And we all get into places like that and we start saying, this cannot be God. But Genesis 45 verse 5 says that he's not only the God of the comfortable place and the good season and the place where it's all going well, but he's the God of the difficult, he's the God of the uncomfortable, and he's the God of the out of your depth. I'm going to say that again because somebody here this morning, you need to hear this for your life right now. He's the God of the uncomfortable. He's the God of the difficult place. And He's the God of you out of your depth. Somebody here today, you have been thinking of changing your job. You're in a new place and you feel so out of your depth. You think, why did I ever say yes? How did I get here? That was a great mistake. And you're looking for reverse gear in your life. And you need to hear today that he's the God of the uncomfortable. And he's the God of the difficult. And he's the God of the out-of-your-depth place in life. The truth is that for Joseph, it's in the uncomfortable and the difficult and it's in the out-of-his-depth place that he grows from being simply a favoured son to being a world leader. I want you to think about this because, I see, I just read this morning Daniel 1 and 2. I, I do a journaling thing that uh, reads read through the Bible in a whole year. So this morning I happened to read Daniel 1 and 2. And Daniel's been left back in Jerusalem and it's all, you know, you know uh, he's, he's kind of in a, the best of a worst place, I guess. And then the king says, I want to, to get some young men that I can train up in my court. And Daniel's one of those. And I wonder if Daniel ever would have become the great leader that he was if he got to stay in the comfortable place. I wonder what Joseph would have been like. He's a young man. Maybe he's 15, maybe he's 16, maybe he's 17. But I wonder what Joseph at 30 would have looked like and Joseph at 40 and Joseph at 50 if God had never seen fit to say, you know what, I know it's easy. I know that it's comfortable. I know that you know how to handle it, but I'm going to push you out into an uncomfortable, into a difficult place, into a place where you're going to feel out of your depth. I wonder what Joseph would have been if God hadn't have done that. You know, uh, David only became the man that he was because of an enemy called Goliath. Without Goliath, David's just a shepherd boy. Just another one of eight sons growing up on the father's farm, one day hoping to inherit something. He's just another kid in a rural community. But because there came an obstacle that was impossible, David becomes a king. And I'm just wondering this morning if maybe the thing right now that you're complaining about and that you hate so much is actually the best thing and the best place for your future. I'm wondering if the the weakness that you face in your life, I'm wondering if it's actually the making of you. I know that it's in Egypt that he grows from a favoured child to a world leader. It's in Egypt that his family goes from 70 people to 3 million people. All because one man, Joseph, knew how to do the difficult well. And about you, I find it really easy to do the easy well do I get a witness from anybody in the house? Hello? You know like when everybody likes me? When all the bills are paid and there's money in the bank? You know when I'm just physically well and strong? You know when the church that I'm leading is flourishing and everything's amazing? I find it really, really easy to do that stuff. Matter of fact, that's my preferred life. You know? But it's the challenging days... I think, that make leaders. Yeah. It's the difficult names, days that turn you from being really, I think, just a, a follower of Christ into a saint. You'd never have heard of Mother Teresa if she just stayed in Albania, helping her mum like the first priest she went to and said, you know, I feel like God has called me to, to, to help the poor. And he said, don't be stupid. Your mother's home. Well, I think it was eight kids. He said, go home and help your mother. she You never would have heard of her except that she went to a difficult place, a place for which she was ill-prepared. Listen to me. Don't get so occupied about your lack of experience. Hello, some of you are looking at me now like, this is not what I was expecting. I don't know what you're expecting, but this is what you're getting. Don't get so worried about it. None of the disciples were rabbis or priests. Not one of them that changed the world through teaching. The last thing Jesus said was go and teach and not one of them's a rabbi. huh? And the only experience they've got is Jesus never took them through Bible college. The only experience they've got is how to heal the sick and raise the dead. Well, what good's that? When you've been told to teach. Listen to me. I think we get too all fired up in church life about I've got to get the the right experience and I've got to know how to do this. There's a whole lot of stuff you have got no idea how to do, but it's okay. God listen to me I am so excited for you because if you're in a good place I'm pretty sure somewhere up along the way God's going to push you out into a difficult place and you're going to get there and go oh why is this happening here's five lessons from this story about Joseph to help every single one of us myself included how do I turn a difficult place into a great place in my life you know If I told you some of the things in my world right now that are incredibly challenging, don't think sometimes, you know, you get people come in and you think, well, that's easy for them. You know, they're doing this or you've read the bio or you've checked them out on Google or, you know, you've read the promotional material, but the truth is nobody that I know of doesn't have challenge around about their life. We all do. Amen. And, and because we all can have that around our life, I want to make sure for me that I'm turning my difficult places into great places. I want them to be the best place. I don't want to spend all my life cursing where I am. Well, it's not fair. It shouldn't have happened. Well, whose fault is this? Well, how did I get here? Yeah, well, you know, he was the one who started it. Well, she's the one who did that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to come into a new church and still be thinking about who hurt me in the last one. Hello? I don't want to come into a new church and I'm still going through the old suitcase and the old baggage and the old rubbish. Let's get rid of all that today. Let's go into what God has for us, for our life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Because I'm absolutely convinced the best days of this church are not the ones back there that you'll read about in the history book. The best days of this church. I turned 60 this year. I know that's hard to believe. Some of you, I can see the gasp on your face. And all you're thinking right now is he's got to have had plastic surgery. Some of you think that's not funny at all. Who gives a rip? you know what I, I look at I visited my 98 year old father last week he's 98 and the week after he turned 98 his brother turned 100 wow. and I'm looking at my dad I told the nurses and my sister I said you know because he, he's in a high care thing but he's, he's great and I said he's good for 105 yeah. and I reckon I'm good for 120 <laughs> Moses lived to 120 why not me and I go, if, if he's 120, I'm only halfway. And so I look at that, you know, someone said to me, well, you're over the hill. They told me that when I was 50. You're over the hill. And I said, well, that depends how high your hill is. I said, if it's Mount Everest, oh, I'm not even at base camp yet. Thanks very much. Amen. So let's not write ourselves off because of how old we are or who we are or what's happened to us. Joseph's got some great lessons. Here's number one. Our greatest growth often comes from our most difficult place. Come on now, you should be shouting for this one. If you're in a if you're in a a a mongrel of a place, can I be that Aussie? Can I take my jacket off because it's just hot? Take the mantle. Ooh, felt that, brother. I'm not surprised. (laughs) You go ahead and wear it. See, the deal is this. You and I can develop great faith, but you're not going to develop great faith sitting in the easy chair. Most of us want great faith in our hammock. We want to lay back. We want to be sipping on a cool drink. You know, we want to have somebody bringing us the fresh made biscuits. All that stuff. We want that. And we say, oh God, while I'm asleep, will you turn me into a super saint? (laughs) Isn't that right? We want God between now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We want between that and good Lord, it's morning. We want it all to happen in that space. Amen. We want God to do something amazing. But the truth is, you're only going to develop great faith if you encounter great adversity into your life. Right now, some of you have got big problems and they're your best friend. And you go, well, that's easy for you to say. But it's true. The greatest friend to David's destiny was not his loving father who couldn't even remember that he had him. The greatest friend to David's destiny was a man who stood out and said, I defy you and all the armies of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. That was David's... Without that, David's just a shepherd boy. With it, he's a giant killer. Right now, do you want to be a giant killer or you just want to stay home? Amen. I know this much that if you're going to fight giants... It's scary, it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult. And nobody, listen, I don't really think David went out there going, I got it, I got this, don't worry about it, I got this. I think David went out there going, you know, it's what I call, you know, excited, scared. You know what I mean? You're planning the grand final, and you're confident, but you're scared. It's just the way that he is. It sounds weird, but you and I aren't going to grow in the easy places. If you go to the gym, they don't go and say, just pick up that piece of paper 17 times and then go home. <laughs> <laughs> do I have to do 17? Yep, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. God, do I have to do more? 17, 17. thank God, where's my latte? <laughs> Huh? You don't go to the gym and the personal trainer says Just yawn seven times, turn around and go home They give you some hard stuff to do, don't they, at the gym Come on, you've all seen television You know what a gym looks like Yeah, I mean, picking up that cappuccino today What a workout that was One Two It's not likely to make you great. Is that right? I remember watching a doco on Usain Bolt. And everybody sees this really fast dude, you know, who waggles his big long finger and he's such a champ. But I watched a doco on this guy on a field with just him and his coach dragging a truck tyre behind him, sprinting with a truck tyre tied to a harness That was on his back. And I look at that and go, but see, they're the lonely bits and the unseen bits and the difficult bits that make a champion. When everybody else is saying, boy, this cappuccino in a mug is heavy. Next time I better get it in a cup. (laughs) It sounds weird, but the truth is you're not going to grow in the easy places. Here's the second thing. Whether we groan or whether we grow, depends on how we respond. Joseph serves, he doesn't sulk. Lord have mercy, if I could do one thing, I'd wipe out all the sulking Christians. I need counselling. I've been hurt. What like, really? When people say that to me, I say what only once. <laughs> Pastor, I need prayer. Oh, I've got a problem. I don't go and I say one. Panther, will you pray for me because? I prayed and God hasn't answered. You've only got one unanswered prayer? I've got thousands of them. Listen to me. If you've only got one unanswered prayer, you're not praying enough. You're not praying about enough stuff. I know people that lose their whole faith because God didn't answer one prayer. I go, one? I would have at least got a thousand unanswered prayers. Huh? They'll come to pass one day mostly. that will be trendy on Twitter in no time at all. Joseph serves, he doesn't sulk. Come on. Listen, the church of Jesus Christ would absolutely have twice the impact in one day if every Christian stopped sulking. I'm sorry to be this honest with you, but you know, you don't invite me here to be pleasant. You invite me here to tell you the truth. You know right? I'm not blooming going to church today. You know? I'm not blooming going to church because last time I went there, someone sat in my seat. Really? I'm not going to bloom and tithe anymore because I tithe and I got a flat tire. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people are so easy to knock out of the will of God. huh? I'm not going to bloom and fray today because, you know, my house got burgled. Christians die for their faith around the world, but if we get a, if we get a broken fingernail, we're not going to go and serve God. Amen. Well they never mentioned what I did for the church You know they mentioned him But they never mentioned me And I've been doing it longer than him Hello David never sulked He served David never blamed He believed You'd never hear David going around saying, those rotten mongrel brothers of mine, fair digger when I get out of here, you just wait, I'm gonna get every single well, I'm gonna chuck them into a well. Let's see how they like it in a well. Yeah, I'm gonna take off their clothes, see what they like to be, you know, stand up in their undies on the sleigh block. Yeah, ha. Huh. We'll see. He never does that once. Stop wasting your energy on blaming somebody else. Yeah, he doesn't just endure going, well, you know, if I just stay here long enough, maybe I'll get the pension and get out of here. Hope these Egyptians have got a pension plan. i just got to stay there. He excels wherever He is. Whether you've grown or whether you grow is entirely up to you. Honestly, come on now. Listen, I'm a pastor, but I'm just a person. And I'm just like you. I want to whinge. What do you mean, yeah? Don't agree with me that fast. You should be saying, Oh, not you, oh man of God, no. (laughs) Oh, no, holy one. You're right. You're right the first time. It's true, isn't it? But I don't want to grow. Tell the person next to you I want to grow. Come on, tell them I want to grow. Don't tell them all about your life. Don't tell them all about your life. She was down there starting with, when I was four. No, no, no. We don't get, Just Come on. Here's number three. We've all got talents that are hidden. Think about this a minute. Joseph ends up in a role for which he is completely inexperienced. Looking after sheep is easy. You just simply watch them. He's never run a house, managed a budget, led a staff. And that's exactly what Joseph ends up doing in the house of Potiphar. See, sometimes we get out of our comfortable, our easy place, out of our favoured place, and we get into the difficult and the uncomfortable and the out-of-our-depth place, and we wonder why. But oftentimes it's because God there is wanting to teach us something we never would have learned in the easy place. So Joseph has got a talent, and his father doesn't know it. His father says, let Joseph work for his half-brothers. He can look after a bunch of sheep. How can you screw that up? Evidently, Joseph is not held in high regard by his dad. Give him the easy job that he can't muck up. Because his father can't see the gift that's in him. His brothers certainly can't. And here's the deal, not even Joseph knew. They call him a master of dreams. They were saying, you know what? this guy's got one gift and that's all he's got but it's in the difficult place where he's out of his depth it's in the difficult place that his world changing gifts are revealed Amen and I'm just convinced that some of you here are in the place you're in and you're you're never going to grow in it while you're standing keeping on looking at, at how you got into it listen if you get into a difficult place, don't look back at where you came from and curse whoever it was that got you into it. Start looking up ahead for an exit. How? Where is this taking me? What do I need to do from this point on? Here's number four. Difficulties are not God's punishment. There is method for revealing the real you. Every one of us here has done it, so have I. We've all done that thing where we go, God, you know, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I had not come into this place. Why me? But you and I have an opportunity today to begin to turn our difficulties into destiny. Just start saying, come on. Look, I, I hope you understand. To me, this is not a message. To me, this is my life. I have been out of my depth so many times more than I can ever count. I don't know one great uh, uh, place in God that I've ever gone for which I felt equipped. Joel Esteen is now currently pastoring a church that meets in the uh, arena that formerly the Houston Rockets basketball team owned. It seats 33,000. I remember hearing tapes of his dad. His father pastored the church, Lakewood, to about 8,000. And even back then, that was huge. But Joel was never up front. he never preached once in his entire life. He never stood on the stage in front of people. He was behind the scenes in television. And when his father unexpectedly passed away, God spoke to Joel and said, Joel, you're the man to lead this church forward. He goes to the church board and they go, but Joel, you've never preached. Joel, no one knows you're even there. And he goes, but I believe God has got his hand on me. And he steps out of the comfortable and what he knows and out of his gift and he steps into a place that is totally difficult, challenging. Completely out of his depth. And the church now has gone to, I don't know, thirty or 40,000. Why? Because someone knew how to do the difficult well. Are you with me? Come on, listen. You've got to stop this little thing in your head. Well, why, why is God punishing me? Because maybe God's not punishing you at all. Matter of fact, I'm sure he's not. Maybe what God is actually doing is saying, you know, the best thing in you, you don't even know about it yet. And I want to bring that out. I want to reveal that in you. And if you and I will allow God to do that, because here's the fifth thing and the last thing and I'll finish. The fifth thing is this you've got to know this God's in control regardless. Amen. You know, God has a lot of emotions. He laughs, he rejoices, he cries, he's angry at times. Here's all those emotions. Here's the only emotion, well, there's a couple, but I'll just give you this one. This is an emotion God never has. He never has the emotion of surprise. God doesn't know what it's like to go. Never saw that coming. <laughs> Didn't know they'd do that. Did they? well, you're kidding me, really? God doesn't know what surprises. He's the deal. He's in control in your life, regardless. Come on, somebody here needs to hear that this morning. I I know that I'm not just preaching a a sermon to a bunch of people. I know there's people here. And if you will get those five things and take them home and every day get out of your your bed and say, today's the day. I'm going to not groan. I'm going to grow. God, today in this difficult place, I'm going to let you reveal who you are. God, right now in this place, that's a challenge. God, I'm going to allow what you've got planned for me to come to pass. It's not easy. It's difficult, Lord, but I'm going to do my best in this place. And I know that if you will do that, I know that the next 12 months, you'll look back and say, you know what, that was the hardest place, but it was the best place because I grew. I grew in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray.